the show goes on this is the official show on the fish on first podcast channel with me eli sussman the founder of fish on first i'm joined by kevin barral co-hosting this episode along with me you're very familiar with what he does for us here on fish on first rapidly approaching the midpoint of the 2023 minor league baseball season i wanted to check in with the miami marlins affiliate that consistently provides us with a lot of positive player development stories high quality entertainment and a lot of on-field success as well that's not always part of the deal but it is with the pensacola blue wahoos so that's why our special guest eric bramer this is his second season as the team's play-by-play -play voice we are picking him up at the perfect time, or it could you could kind of spin that both ways. He's probably just got finished washing the champagne-flavored beer out of his hair from Wednesday's celebration as the team just clinched a playoff spot for later in the year. Thanks a lot for joining us, Eric. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. Yeah, I had uh, more beer poured on me than in me last night, so I'm doing fine, but my clothes uh, smell like beer. And for anybody that wasn't watching that game live, let's just treat them to the very final out of that signature victory. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss, strike three. Three, one, final. The Blue Wahoos come back late to beat the Smokies. And for the second year in a row, the first city will celebrate a first half South Division championship. So Eric, for any of our listeners that are confused about how this works, could you just enlighten them quickly about how the Blue Wahoos have clinched a postseason berth when there's about three months left in the regular season. And then just take us just inside the, the clubhouse and on the field for that celebration. Yeah, uh, the minor league season is split into two halves. And for the second straight year, the Blue Wahoos won the first half title. It's structured that way to reward the teams like the Blue Wahoos, who have been really good in the first half. And if all goes well, of course, we want the best for all these individual players. They may be at AAA and beyond by the time the season ends. So, uh, you know, it gives an opportunity to the teams who had a bad first half to have a, a chance in the second half. Uh, the Blue Wahoos will play the second half South Division champion in September. Uh, it'll be two best of three series in the playoffs. Last year, the Blue Wahoos lost game one both rounds, but ended up winning and claimed the Southern League championship. And of course, we hope for that uh, again come September 2023. Go ahead, Kevin. Eric. Go, yeah. I was gonna say. I mean, this, you know, someone who was with you guys at the start of the season, Yuri Perez. Um, just what you know, what you see from him last year that kind of you, you were like, damn, you know, this guy is he's legit. And obviously now, back in, in big leagues, he has a one point, I think one point five four ERA. He is absolutely dominating. And obviously, you had the chance to see him at the start of this year. And, see him get promoted all the way to the big league skipping triple a what have you seen what did you see from him back then and just what have you seen from him now that you, you just love watching well uh it's funny that we're talking as i'm in tennessee because this is the site of the blue wahoos championship last yeah. september and uh yuri got the start in game three wasn't fully stretched out uh working his way back from a minor injury but uh you know in that championship game when the spotlight was brightest, he struck out the first eight batters in the ballgame. So we all knew that he had that within him. Uh, I think he's the type of person who thrives in the spotlight, enjoys really showing off, and uh, obviously he's <laughs> he's made the most of his opportunity so far with the Marlins. He's a great young man, uh, sky's the limit, 
and provided he can stay healthy, you know, I think the Marlins fans are really going to appreciate having him in a Marlins uniform for the next several years. Uh, one thing that I know you guys have touched on is that uh, we're using an experimental baseball in the first half in the Southern League here until the All-Star break. And Yuri, I think, had grown accustomed to using that baseball, and it took him a little while in the big leagues to adjust to the major league ball. But now that he's gotten that adjustment out of the way, to see that change up, I maintain that it was the most fun pitch to watch him throw. He will say that it's the most fun pitch for him to throw himself. Uh, that's the that's the special stuff because not too many guys have a 90-mile-per-hour changeup, much less one that has the movement that his does. I'd have to say, um, you may not be complaining about yourself, but it feels like the Marlins have been inconsiderate with their schedule with him. I, I don't think he has started a single time on a Monday during an off day, I think almost all of his starts have like conflicted almost directly with Luwaku's games. Have you actually been able to watch any of his starts in real time, or have you just had to settle for the highlights and all the outrageous stats? I uh, kept an eye on it. Um, Pensacola, believe it or not, is in the Marlins blackout zone, so I can't wow. really watch the Marlins games unless I'm in the clubhouse, which I do spend a lot of time in there, or if we're on the road. So like now when I'm in Tennessee – uh, I can watch the Marlins and keep an eye or an ear on their games. So I was watching his last start, and uh, we definitely do try and keep tabs on Yuri because, uh, you know, we still claim him, and I think to some degree he still claims us. He's very proud of the time, his development time in Pensacola, and he's still friends with a lot of the people here. Right. I, I wanted yeah. to go to the other ends of the age spectrum. What made Yuri so extraordinary is how young he is, still the youngest player in the big leagues, and he was uh, – one of the very youngest players on in the Southern League when he was there. A, a player that went under the radar entering this year and who has since been promoted to AAA is Dane Myers. One reason why he was under the radar, he was a minor league Rule 5 draft pick, 27 years old. Um, so he was somebody that, frankly, we were uh, curious about, but not all that. Um, our expectations weren't especially high, just given the fact that he had this experience advantage as a player, but he's, he is a fascinating story. He was a former pitcher converted to a hitter. He was coming off a good year last year with the tiger system. And then he just kept on breaking upon coming over to the blue Wahoos. He did it while also playing about five different defensive positions, including center field. He just, it was a very brief time that you had with him because he's since gone up to AAA. He's continuing to perform. It might not be very long until he's knocking on the door of the majors. Just take us through what you saw from Dane Myers when he was down there. Uh, anything that stood out on or off the field about him? Yeah, no, he's an easy guy to root for. A uh, very toolsy athlete. Uh, someone who can competently play in center field, corner outfield, or, uh, you know, potentially at third base. I think there's value to having someone like that in your organization, maybe even on the major league club as the Marlins try and figure out, okay, who can fill this gap? Who can fill that gap? Um, the consensus seems to be that the Detroit Tigers knew what they had in him. They just ran out of development time with exclusive rights to him as a player. So credit to the Marlins, uh, pro scouting department. Uh, they've had a couple wins these last couple of years, finding guys who are not only good minor league depth to raise the bar of their minor league affiliates, but potentially could impact the major league club. Um, it looks like Dane Myers has continued to hit, continued to impact the ball game with his bat, his speed, his glove, and his throwing arm uh, with Triple A Jacksonville. So, yeah, keep an eye on him, not on the 40-man, but uh, the type of player there that if he continues to play well and provide valuable offense, 
there's a spot for him on the major league roster. And then I wanted to ask you, Southern League All-Star last year made his way to AAA. Unfortunately, just with how things worked out at that level, he's back in AA, but he's been a huge part of your of the, of the Wahoos this season. Troy Johnston he plays first base, a little bit of outfield. He shedded some some weight before this season. He's He wanted to get more extra bases, wanted to get those triples, and he's definitely been doing that. I mean, you look at it, and I think he already has more doubles and triples than he did last season, Eric. So just your thoughts on Troy and just what you've seen from him because he's been a Wahoo for a while now. Yeah, Troy had the biggest hit last night, a two-on-two yeah. run triple in the ninth inning, and uh, I was on top of it at the time because we remarked how many more triples the Blue Wahoos as a team have hit this year. They, they're they now up to 16 triples. They hit only 15 as a club last season. So, uh, you know, Troy Johnson, a big part of that. Believe it or not, Troy Johnson right now is tied for the league lead in the Southern League in triples with four. Uh, and a, a couple of them kind of fluky but uh you know he'll take them they still count uh troy whether he would tell you this or not i think has made the decision to sacrifice a little bit of batting average for a little bit more power because that was kind of the knock on him hey this guy can hit but where are the home runs uh especially as someone who was an outfielder but now is trying to make it as a first baseman and last year he finished just a percentage point shy of winning the southern league batting title this year the batting average is about 30 points lower from 290 to 260 but 11 home runs, leading the league in RBI. He continues to put together professional at-bats. He's just trying to drive the ball more. And, uh, you know, don't give up on Troy Johnston because he's a hard worker. He definitely has a great swing, very resilient swing that has good plate coverage. And uh, as we've seen this year, he can adapt his approach to sacrifice average for power. If there comes a point in his career where he needs to flip the switch and go back in the other direction, I'm sure that he can do that as well. So, no, he's been a big part of our team. I think the only reason that he's not in AAA right now is that there wouldn't be a path to regular playing time for him. And if that opens up either through trade or through promotion with Jacksonville, I would not expect Troy Johnston to be here in AA much longer. Yeah, he's already surpassed his home run total from last season. I mean – you just can't complain with the player you're getting in Johnston at 26 years old. Yeah, you, you, you said it right, Eric. I mean, the only reason he's not in AAA right now is because of just how things lined up at that level and how they've kind of kind of lined up the whole minor league system. But, yeah, Tro- Troy's a great guy and great player. And, yeah, as you said, he he did sacrifice a lot of batting average, actually. But it, he, he mentioned this. I think it was the, the pressers you guys held at the start of the year where he didn't, you know, despite shedding some some pounds, he, he still believes he had the power. And I mean, obviously he's shown it this year. So it's nice to see Troy having the success he's having this year, especially after, I think it was a little bit of a slow start to the year for him too. Yeah. It took him a while to get going. Then he had an outstanding uh, 48 hours in Montgomery in late April, where he had back to back two Homer games. Uh, Troy, more than anyone that I've seen in my time in Pensacola is able to just lock in for a stretch Last year it came in late May, early June. He won player of the week, and he was just outstanding. So anytime that you know a player is capable of that, it's very tantalizing to just uh, wait through the dry spots and uh, have confidence that he's going to finally figure it out, and he's done that a couple times this year. I remember him entering the year emphasizing to Kevin about that weight loss and how he wanted to be more athletic. And that is pan- that is to translate to on the base pass as well. Like 10 for 10 stealing bases, almost as many this year as he had his entire year combined entering this year. So happy birthday to Troy. We're recording this yeah. on, his, on his birthday and this coming out probably the day after. 
but he's been a favorite of ours for a while and uh, had just extraordinary performance throughout his entire minor league career, pretty much. Somebody that has had a very fascinating path, um, who this year I would say is your most improved player among the guys returning from 2022 is Jose Devers. He was rushed to the big leagues in 2021 from high A because it was coming off a canceled minor league season. They really twisted his development around to feel, fill a need. He hurt his shoulder that year, and he just was not the same player for the rest of 2021 and throughout 2022. Um, I mean, the, it's a pretty jarring. He fell off the prospect map, even for somebody that was still in his early 20s. Right now, believe it or not, he is 23 years old. So he is younger than a lot of the competition that he's facing now, even though he's been around a while. But his numbers have just shot up all across the board. His OPS by about 200 points, hitting for a little more power, doing just everything a little bit better than he did uh, last year. What are your thoughts on, on that? What are the differences that you notice in Devers compared to 2022? Yeah, there was a period in the last homestand where he had four home runs in the span of, I think, five games. And this after hitting three home runs as a professional in his first 300 games. Um, Jose Devers has dealt with a lot of nagging injuries, upper body and lower body, that I think have just sapped his strength on the margins. Last year, I want to say he was outright robbed, like reaching over the fence, robbed of a couple home runs. Very unlucky in that regard, and now with just a little bit better health, a little bit more core strength and uh, arm strength as well, uh, those outs are turning into home runs. Uh, he's a great pure hitter. He can hit the ball with authority on a line to left and to right, and uh, you know the fact that they're playing him a couple days a week at shortstop means that they haven't given up on his ability to play good defense as well. That's something that I think has been impacted by injuries in the last couple seasons too. So. Uh, Great to have this guy in the heart of the order. As you said, he's still very young, but uh, there's potential there. Uh, there's a reason that they brought him up to the big leagues so quickly because he's got the tools. Uh, it's just a matter of putting it all together and most importantly, staying on the field, staying healthy. Yeah, and, and just looking at the month of June, I mean, this guy is raking, man. 356, 431, 667 with a 1098 OPS, has four homers. And he's playing shortstop, as he said, Eric. So, I mean, you cannot be disappointed with what you're getting from baby Devers here. I mean, cousins of, of Raphael Devers. So just, uh, you know, finally getting back on the prospect map, I think, is, is the right way to put it. I want to ask you about another shortstop in the system, Nassim Nunez, who was arguably one of the most improved players in the system last year. Started at high A, made it all the way to double A, and found very early on success. He hit a homer in the playoffs, had a homer. I think that was his first career homer in double A too. So in this year, I think he has four or five and almost all of them are opposite field homers. So what have you seen from Nassim Nunez and, you know, not even just the offense, the defense, he's arguably the best defensive shortstop in the system. Yeah. Fun to watch him play defense day in, day out. Uh, he, can get, he can get to balls that many people don't. Uh, and he's got a great arm uh, because he gets to more balls. You'll sometimes see more errors charged to him, but that's just, part of the deal when you've got a really, really good defensive uh, shortstop. Um, offensively, he's another guy who's tried to add some power into his game and that has sapped the batting average a touch, but that's why you're in double A, right? You make those adjustments, you figure out what works for you, what doesn't. Um, he continues to get on base at a really great rate. He's a great guy to have batting yeah. one or two in your lineup because he puts together professional plate appearances. Uh, he does chase a little bit, 
does swing and miss in the zone a little bit, but you look at the on-base percentage and the tools are there uh, to be a really, really valuable player, even if he is mostly a singles hitter, which I think there's still some hope that he can uh, be more of an extra base gap-to-gap guy. But even if he is a singles hitter, if you steal 30 bases and 33 tries, you're going to end up at second base a lot anyway. So having someone with his speed, his ability to get on base, uh, there's a major league future, I think, for Nassim yeah, and hopefully soon Triple A, just the way he's been playing in Maya already up in the big leagues, opens a spot up for him. I think he he's proven it that, that he could play Triple A ball. Absolutely. Yeah, talking here with Eric Bramer here on the Fish on First podcast, the official show with Eli and Kevin. I'm throwing up this for the people watching on YouTube, if you are, give this a like and subscribe to our channel. We're just giving you a glimpse of the statistical leaders on both the hitting side and on the pitching side, including guys that are still with the team and those that have been promoted as well um, one other pitcher i wanted to get to one who's at the top of almost every pitching stat you want to look at patrick monteverde just drafted less than two full years ago and he's already had so much success at double a for a team in the marlins that has had some questions about their rotation health at this particular moment like people it's not too much of a stretch to think that he might be joining perez in the big leagues in the not too distant future an extraordinary first half of his season with a 218 ERA, a whole lot more strikeouts than I think anybody could have expected from him. Almost a third of the batters he faces. Eric, for a guy that doesn't have a whole lot of fastball velocity, how is it that he is missing all the bats that he is and having such good success overall? He makes his pitches. He locates all of his pitches well. Uh, you know, He's another guy who has a really good changeup, especially to right-handed hitters that tend to chase it because, you know, not to pigeonhole all soft tossing guys is the same type of pitcher. But I think if you dig in the box and you've got someone throwing 90, 91, you're used to seeing 95, 96, your eyes can get a little too big for your stomach sometimes and you get a little too eager. So he knows how to play against the hitter's weaknesses and over aggressiveness. Uh, you know, he's been dependable every fifth, every sixth day. He goes out and gives his team a chance to win. In the month of April, he allowed one earned run, and that was on a fluky double steal of home. So uh, definitely got off to a great start. The numbers have come back to earth just a touch since then, but you can't stay a 0.35 ERA forever. Um, you know, people come in. Pensacola is a very popular place, believe it or not, for scouts to come because who doesn't want to, you know, work in Pensacola for a couple days? Uh, and or other organizations are very high on Patrick Monteverdi. Uh, you know, it's illuminating to see which organizations value which type of pitcher tools. Uh, and there are a couple organizations that I won't name who, you know, multiple scouts have come in to see Patrick Monteverdi. And, uh, you know, obviously we hope that Patrick makes it to the major leagues with the Marlins, but uh, he's auditioning for all 30 teams uh, as he tries to get to that next level. So uh, the Marlins, I know, recognize what they have in him. Other teams are definitely taking notice as well, especially as we get towards the deadline. Uh, you know, I, again, I hope Patrick makes it to the major leagues with the Marlins, but uh, we're talking about an organization that has had trouble finding justification to keep Yuri up at the big leagues until the last couple turns through the rotation. So, um, <laughs> you know, it it's a good situation to have, to have so much talented starting pitching in the organization. But, uh, no, definitely, uh, we're very high on Patrick and I know a lot of other people who have come through, uh, 
you sometimes get rose-colored glasses seeing your own guys every single day. But I guess the the main message, not to intimate that there are any trade talks or anything, I, I don't know about that. But just I think the main takeaway should be other organizations are very high on Patrick Monteverdi as well, which I think validates the way we feel about it. Yeah, and it, it validates a little bit, I guess, what we do at Fish on First. Both Kevin and I have pinpointed him as a potential trade candidate in the near-term future for like all those reasons where he is developing probably better than they could have expected and that um, the Marlins improbably are having a great year at the major league level where they need to think creatively about how they want to fill out their roster down the stretch. And yeah, so I at the, I kind of just echo those sentiments as well, where you yeah. ideally you want to keep them around, but this is a great problem to have. And again, I don't want to intimate anything that there are trade talks going because I'm just the double A broadcaster, but uh, you know, I do get a lot of my information from other scouts just to see what other organizations think about our players. And uh, Patrick Monteverdi is very highly thought of inside and outside the Marlins organization. And it should come to no surprise. I mean, this team has been able to develop pitching for years now, since I guess the new regime came in, you've seen a lot of guys come up. Trevor made had success in 2021 and you just keep going down the line, top prospects, Yuri, Eater now with you guys again in double A. So I wanted to ask you, though, you look two spots down from Monteverdi. You have Evan Fitter, who was promoted, I believe, just a month ago to double A. He, had, he got off to an amazing start in, in high A Beloit. Just what have you seen from Fitter that makes you believe this guy is, is you know, the, the real deal? He started his double A career with 13 consecutive scoreless innings, and yeah. uh, no one's really hit him hard. That's that's been the most impressive thing. He's been his own worst enemy, just walking too many guys at times. But last night, he gave his team a chance to win eight strikeouts over five good innings. He's another guy who, you know, they're very careful with his arm. Health has been a concern, durability. So uh, they're not stretching him out too much. I think he reached 100 pitches once a couple starts ago. But, uh, you know, I think the the wildness can sometimes play up for him where people don't know, hitters don't know where that ball's going to go. But if he can dial in the command just a touch, uh, he's got plenty of movement on his pitches. And uh, someone with his stuff who can throw strikes just at a little higher clip than he currently is, that's a pretty dangerous pitcher. Uh, He's a really fun pitcher to watch. And uh, every time except one, as memory serves, the Blue Wahoos have felt pretty good about him on the mound, giving him a chance to win. Yeah. The, the final Blue Wahoos player I wanted to get your insight on, Eric, is one that you haven't yet seen play at this very moment, but you're about to. Jake Eater, as Kevin referenced, he was extraordinary in 2021, his very first pro year. They sent him straight to double A, and he showed exactly why. He made the Futures game, and then shortly after that, hurt his elbow, was out all of last year, then this year slowed by an additional injury coming out of spring training. So he's just been returned from his from the injured list and now rejoining blue wahoos i am uh, you it was so long ago that you weren't actually with the team the last time that he pitched at that level but he's finally made it back he was widely regarded as one of the very best prospects in this organization before the injury from from anybody with the team that did see him pitch before uh, what, what sort of things have they told you about him what are your expectations for eater finally coming back from this very long injury absence yeah, you're right. In 21, I wasn't with the Blue Wahoos, but the people here who were, you know, 
they talk more about Eater than they did Max Meyer, who I think generated more of the headlines at the time as someone who was quickly mm-hmm. rising through the ranks. Eater coming from the left side had the polish that you don't typically see from double-A pitching, and that's the one thing that I think might take a little bit of work to get back on the other side of surgery, just the polish, the finesse, uh, the precision of the pitches. So that'll be, I think, the main concern, just uh, shaking off the rust. Concern's not the right word. They're still very high on Jake Eater, and uh, I think they're willing to be patient because, again, they're in such a, an enviable spot at the major league level. They don't need to hurry Jake Eater. Uh, if he needs to take his lumps here and get back fully to where he was in 2021, that takes a couple weeks, a couple months, uh, that's fine because the Marlins feel pretty good about where they're at at the major league level. And if Jake Eater can impact the major league club later this year, uh, especially if the Marlins are still contending, I, I have full confidence that they'll make that decision. But for now, they can be patient. And uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing him pitch in a blue one who's uniform for the first time in almost two years. Yeah, and the last guy I want to ask you about, Eric, is Will Banfield. I mean, came up to the Wahoos in 20 and last season, got off to a good start with Pensacola. Kind of was a little slow to get it going this season, but you look at the past couple of weeks and you you know last few months he's finally kind of found a good rhythm and and I think the big issue with him since the start has been finding a consistent offensive game and he's finally been able to do that. So what have you seen with Banfield, someone who not only has the power but when you need him, I mean he could give you some nice bats of ball. Yeah, uh, the Blue Wahoos started the year with two starting caliber catchers, Paul McIntosh and Will Banfield. And it simplifies the case for both of them to say that McIntosh was the bat and Banfield was the glove. But I think those are their carrying tools, at least in the uh, the thumbnail sketch scouting report. McIntosh got hurt, and it it's incredible the way it worked out. On the very day that McIntosh went on the injured list, that's when Banfield really started to click at the plate. And you mentioned the yeah. word consistency. I, I don't know if there was any way around it. But playing on a regular basis for Banfield has really helped him, I think, refine his swing, find consistency in that swing. Last night he didn't catch, but he was the DH, and he was the one who finally tied the game with a solo homer in the eighth inning. Um, He's got great defensive reputation. He's improving as a pitch caller. Uh, You know, the opponents have had success stealing against him this year, but in the Southern League, I think most – opponents are having success stealing against everyone. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. And uh, I think that's more a fault of the Pensacola pitching staff right now than any uh, any deficiencies on Banfield's part controlling the running game. That's just something that you work on at double A to try and uh, get your pitchers to tighten up holding on runners. But uh, Banfield, if he continues to play every day, the defense is there and the offense, if it is at all what we've seen these last couple weeks, there's something there for sure. Yeah. Even though he's not a current Blue Wahoos player, I'd be remiss to not bring up Luis Arise to you and get your thoughts on him. Played his entire major league career, his whole pro career with the Twins organization prior to this offseason trade, and he has been everything the Marlins could have dreamed of and more well on his way to winning another batting title, but doing so with content. He's not really – he doesn't have any – competition in 2023 he's just fighting ghosts at this point trying to hit for 400 in a way that we haven't seen in recent years as i said coming from the twins who whose games are broadcasted by your dad dick bramer 
I'm, I'm sure that his, the name of Luis Arise came up. You probably more attuned to his performance than a lot of other people just because of that connection. In fact, when I go listen to Twins broadcasts, even this season, your dad sometimes brings him up kind of unsolicited, just how impressed that he is with how Arise continues to do. Uh, the fact that there is a player that is at this moment hitting 398, almost halfway through a major league season, how how do you just uh, wrap your mind around what he is doing to this point in the year? It's incredible, uh, you know. And as you said, someone who's followed the Twins organization to some degree uh, these last couple of years, I don't think I'm shocked. I am surprised that anyone could be hitting close to 400 this late in the season, but I'm not shocked because if there's anyone who has the talent and the skill set to do it, it's Luis Arise. Now, Twins fans are still hopeful that this could still be a win-win trade for both organizations. Pablo Lopez had a great start, then I was dealing with a blister problem that I think impacted the efficiency and effectiveness of the new sweeper that he's added. Uh, but uh, Lopez is going to be with the Twins for the long haul. I'm not sure if uh, the Twins had any designs on extending a rise or if the Marlins are going to be able to extend a rise. So uh, this is going to be one of those trades with a long tail. Uh, Lopez will be pitching for the Twins for many years to come. And uh, however long Luis Arise is in a Marlins uniform, they're going to enjoy him. Uh, one of the reasons the Twins felt comfortable trading him is because they've got a long-term answer, they think, at first base and another former Blue Wahoo, Alex Kirilov, and they did not feel that Arise uh, physically could withstand the rigors of playing second base for an entire season. Uh, he's had knee issues throughout his career. And uh, as someone who follows the Marlins and uh, wants the best for Luis Arise, I hope he can hold up at second base, but that'll be something to keep an eye on. You know, it's tough for anyone, uh, even without prior injury concerns, to withstand uh, a full season of production at the level that Luis has. Uh, 162 games is a grind. And there's nowhere to go but down off the plateau for a rise. So that'll be something to keep an eye on in the second half, how he physically holds up, continuing to play second base, assuming he does continue to play second base. And, uh, you know, you look at his last couple of years with the Twins, and he's he didn't quite get to 400, but he had some really, really hot first halves. Last year he was an all-star, and then you look at the second half numbers, and he fell off a little bit. So hope that doesn't happen. Hope Louie can keep it going because uh, there are going to be a lot of people in Pensacola and Minneapolis, St. Paul and Miami uh, cheering him on. They're just a great guy and great to see him have success in a new uniform. He's a former blue Wahoo too. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, um, he came up, he was only in Pensacola for a couple months, but he did participate in the twins winter caravan. Uh, we now have fish fest, the off season fan, experience uh the twins volunteered to rise to be one of those guys and uh, he definitely endeared himself to blue wahoos fans in the short time that uh, that he was in pensacola yeah yeah so i as eric brings up uh the, the only like word of reason to be cautious about this trade at the moment is the uncertainty about rises long-term status the marlins could fix that by extending a rise there's a possibility they're allowed to do that just like the twins that is a very popular uh sentiment among fans so it's not just you eric that uh brings it up i'm not going to spend someone else's money but i would love to see Luis arise become uh one of the cornerstones of the next great marlins team yeah this, this has been an amazing episode with eric bramer of the pensacola blue wahoos you could catch him calling games for them in tv listen on the radio call on the first pitch app 
he's um he's terrific the way that he calls these games and thankfully he's had a good product to cover over this year and a half so um yeah thank you so much eric well i guess we'll take this opportunity to uh, remind people that we're recording this the night after our official announcement that us and fish on the farm led by alex carver we're in a formal partnership now we've been in essentially a partnership for years now but now making it official kind of absorbing it all under the same roof and um so uh, you've talked with Alex before. I'm sure you're going to talk with him in the future. That's where uh, you're going to get a whole lot more of our minor league coverage directly from Fish on the Farm, now part of Fish on First. For anybody that missed that announcement moving forward, um, yeah, there's so many great stories and great players in this organization, and we're going to keep covering them as closely as possible. I was excited to see the initial announcement and excited to see that subsequent announcement. Uh, if if the content and the coverage is there, people will follow. And uh, I have full confidence that this is going to be a great move for both of your organizations. Awesome. Appreciate it a lot, Eric, with, with Kevin Barral, with Eli Sussman here on the Fish on First podcast. If you're listening to it, not watching, just listening to it, just be sure to subscribe to the channel, leave a rating and review, all that greatly appreciated as we uh, go right in the middle of an amazing entertaining Marlins season that now has high expectations for this team to live up to the rest of the way. And we have it covered right here. So thanks again for all your support to this point. I've been Eli Sussman here on Fish on First. Go Fish.